Hi, welcome everyone to She Became Visible. I'm Renee Steelman, I'm your host. And today I have two fellow podcasters that are going to be, uh, we're all gonna be chatting, which is way more fun than just one. Uh, I think there's a song, isn't there a song? More fun than one? I don't know, sounds familiar <laughs> anyway. We've got Trisha back. Trisha is um, my full-time teacher in Washington State who's got a crazy life. And we're gonna be introducing Liz Porter to you. Many of you maybe have met her if you are on Facebook or if you are on, um, Liz, what do you, what do you, what form do you post on the most? Um, probably Facebook. Okay. And do you do, do you get into like ex-Mormon discussions, Mormon stories discussions? What, where, where, who do you follow that you end up responding to the most? I'm kind of, I've kind of gotten out of that actually. Okay. Great. Um, I feel like I'm at a place where I have all of the knowledge to keep me safe and comfortable. Right, right. Um, you're, I'm going to be um, looking into what you're doing more. I think voices for women are definitely important. Right, and, right. And that's something that, like you and I talked about, it hasn't really been addressed anywhere. Exactly. And we matter. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And Trisha and I talked about that, didn't we, Trisha? That there's a lot of male voices out there, which I love. I mean, predominantly, I would have to say 90% of the podcasts that I listen to are male hosted. Yeah. Um, and um, and, I, and I do love that. And I, I but I what I really like is um, I feel like female voices have a tendency to equalize everything out a little bit. There's there's the appropriate amount of anger. But there's the appropriate amount of understanding and, and, uh, okay, let's make this better, you know, um, knowledge. we have not, so much yeah. knowledge to attribute. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, I, if you have, if you're not following Brittany Hartley, uh, Brittany and Bill real are doing the awakening. Uh, Brit posted something on Facebook the other day that I copied and made it into a, um, uh, a reel. And I got to contact her and figure out how I can steal her audio uh, to use to broadcast in other places. But and I also want to I want to go back and listen to what her source was. But she made the most profound comment. And it was about how we're told uh, that in order to find spirituality, you have to read the scriptures, you have to be praying, you have to be studying the scriptures and this kind of thing. But she said one of the forms of patriarchy is telling women that they can't find spirituality in nurturing and taking care of their children, taking care of the home, that we don't have to be sitting in a lotus pose. And, and when, as she was talking, I was thinking of the movie Yentl, of how this woman wanted to study the scriptures, but she was pushed away and pushed away and said, no, no, go home, do, you know, go cook go do womanly things because the men are going to gather together and study the scriptures and then they'll let you know. And, but you know, when she said that it was like, yes, we don't have time to study because we've got babies that we're taking care of and adult children that are going through crisis and, and th things that women do, whatever it is, we've got things that women are doing and that's, we find, we can come closer to a spiritualness, whether it's in a God or whether it's in 
uh, mother in heaven, whether it's in nature, through taking our children on a hike is a spiritual adventure for women. You know what I find interesting about that is that um, ironically, we're told as the parents, the mothers, that we're supposed to be teaching our kids the scriptures and right. you know all of those things. But exactly what you're saying is true. We don't have time. Like, right. like, how are we supposed to actually dig into these things with our kids and running around? And so everything stays surface level, you know? Exactly. And so I love that idea of do we need those scriptures to fill that spirituality? If we were connecting with our kids on that deeper level, instead of worrying about all those little things that we're supposed to be doing, maybe we'd find that spirituality. So I love that idea. Right. And, and Liz, just uh, for a little bit, share what you're going through right now with your mom. She was just diagnosed with cancer. Is that correct? Yeah. Breast cancer. She is, um, going into the Huntsman Center on Tuesday to have a lumpectomy. Okay. Um, it looks, I mean, when we're talking about cancer, I think it looks as good as it can be. She's 83 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm just grateful they agreed to take it out. Yeah, seriously. Normally, yeah, sometimes at that age, they have a tendency just to go, oh, you're good, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And so, I mean, it's funny because they'll, 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 they'll stand up, men, I'm talking about patriarchy. They'll stand up and they'll say, women, these are your roles, men, these are your roles. And they, they don't, they, they give you that role and they put you on a fake pedestal for mm -hmm. that role. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to like uh, someone, I've heard this three or four times, but someone once again, put it on TikTok. It's that little clip from uh, Russell Nelson at priesthood set at a priesthood session it must have been back in the 90s because he was quite a bit younger but he was saying you know i'm here with my sons my son-in-laws my grandsons where are their mothers you ask where you know where are their are their daughters well they're home and he literally says they're home in the kitchen they're making us homemade donuts so that when we return they will ask us what did you learn and we will teach them i mean I mean, when I hear that, I'm like, uh, I'm so glad we didn't get to go to priesthood sessions back then because, or maybe not, maybe I should have gone because that would have been my shelf breaker back in 1995, you know? Uh, but that's the mentality, thinking that because we're home with our, our sisters and our moms and our aunts and we're making donuts. And, yes, that we're not getting spiritually fed, you know? And it, I thought, you know why there are more percentage-wise, more women in Christian, you know, religions of including the LDS church is because we find Jesus spirituality in making donuts. You know, we yeah. find spiritual, yeah. we connect with this, a higher power, whatever that is going with our mothers to the Huntsman center. Yeah. We find a connection serving and nurturing. And even though we're applauded for that, it's kind of a condescending. Yeah, but you don't know the scriptures. You can't rattle off, you know, Elma three, four through, <laughs> nine, you know, and I'm like, I can't, but you also don't know how to change a diaper. What the crap are you doing? You know? So, I mean, it's like, it's so, it's a little bit, I don't know. I'm kind of bright, probably being, you know, uh, a, a matriarchal thing right now, but anyway, so Liz, tell, tell Trish and Trish, feel free to jump in. Um, what was the catalyst that sparked your, 
historical truths where you started looking into because you're like I said, your posts on Facebook are. Um, did you know this, 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 and you'll go through a historical, you know, information. Yes. What, what, what was the catalyst that sparked that? Okay. Well, I, I would say that in the home I grew up in, we had a room that we called the library. It was a larger room in the upstairs of the house lined with bookshelves. My mother kept a plethora of books. We were all taught to read before we started school. And I remember being taught by my mother about Joseph Smith being married to younger women and Brigham Young. And I remember reading, um, and this is not going to be verbatim, but um, some of the things that Heber C. Kimball had said, like, I remember being very impacted at probably the age of 12 by reading, you know, save some of the pretty girls. Oh, for yeah. yeah. Heber C. Kimball's. Yeah. That, that, but I also, my home was also LDS. And whenever I discussed these things with my mother, she would always say, oh, we're always going to have our free agency. Whatever these dumb men say, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we're still going to have our free agency. Um, my mom still believes that today. And yeah. she's been a LDS woman, gone to the temple and done all the things that she should all of her life. But right. she doesn't believe what the patriarchal patriarch, um, the patriarchal the society system. that we yeah. live in. Yes. Yeah. She's never believed what yeah. they tell her. She has her own. I'm like, mom, you're just like me, but you go to church. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Because I, when I first started to really like not tolerate the verbiage that, that you have in the temple, um, when you, when I first started to be like, I, I, I can't listen to this anymore. I said to my mom, who's a temple worker, who is a very strong, I mean, she divorced my father in a small town where he was, um, uh, you know, in a small town, he was like he was top, a big fish in a small yeah, town. I mean, he, he wasn't in political yet, but he was on his way to running for mayor and, but everybody knew who he was. He was really active in the Eagles and they got together every weekend at the Eagles for whatever was going on. Everybody knew him, you know, yeah. and, but she just wasn't going to tolerate it anymore. So she was strong enough to get out of that marriage, take her two kids and move into an apartment. I remember in the seventies, I remember her wearing pants to church when pantsuits, you guys don't wow. remember this, but polyester pantsuits first became popular and way before Hillary Clinton. And yeah. she wore them to church. <laughs> and of course she was like, oh, Sister Cathcart, you can't wear those. And she's like, why? What difference does it make? So I thought of her as a what? strong woman. You know, yeah. I saw her stand up to the Sunday school president when when she was in the Sunday school, whatever they let women do back in the 70s. Um, and I saw her complain about home teaching and how these guys would come over and take up our time, but they didn't have anything to, you know. So I thought, okay, this is a free thinking. This is where I get it, unfortunately. But um, but I said to her, mom, I can't handle this anymore. I said, I'm not going to lean over lovingly with dove eyes and stare into my husband and go, okay, honey, I won't talk to God anymore. You tell me what to say. And then you tell me what God wants me to do and I'll do it. And she said, oh, honey, but it's only if they follow God. It's like we followed him if he followed God. And I'm uh, like, 
Yeah, you think that's what they hear? You think that's what they hear? They don't sound what they hear. You know? That's how I rationalized it. That's exactly what I did the first time I heard yes. it. And I was like, um, I mean, I guess that's fine as long as they're listening to God. It's, yeah. That's how I rationalized it. Yeah. And when you have a good husband who isn't king of the, you know, king of the hill, you can, it is easy to do that. It's the poor women that are being told to shut up and sit down that are like, okay. That's, I, I mean, because let's think about it. Who gets to decide if he's listening to God? I mean, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Liz, I don't remember. What did you tell me your relationship situation is right now? Are is your are you married? I'm married. We've been married for 32 years. Okay. Um my husband when we met was a little wayward in regard to Mormonism and his mother was just so you know pleased to meet me because here comes Molly Mormon okay. and straighten this guy out <laughs> yes and he quits drinking and he quits chewing Ooh. Copenhagen and oh. you know we do all this work to become worthy to go through the temple and we're married in the temple and you know everything's just so wonderful and fabulous and we're doing all the things that we're supposed to um Throughout our lives, though, I have this funny, my husband's name is Stacy. I always have this funny oh. feeling whenever I'd ask him for a blessing or to bless one of our children, I could tell he wasn't comfortable. Oh. And sometimes he'd be like, Liz, I don't want to, you know, like, and yeah. I'd just be like, he better, you know, he better straighten it up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, when my shelf broke, I would say about 2013, I was pretty much done. And I went to him and I just said, babe, I, I can't do this. I, there's no way there isn't any way to fit in with, we have two queer children and I know the church from the foundation up. I have ancestors that walk the plains and I know you know, I've read their diaries, their journals, and I was just starting to delve back into those things that I knew tidbits of as a um, child. Okay. Letters and um, books the prophets had written, um, Brigham Young's Journal of Discourses. You know, a lot of this information is now on LDS.com. But when I mm -hmm. went to my husband, he just went, oh, phew. You. I haven't believed anything since I was 14. Wow. So Isn't that great? I mean, what I a great said, man, though. Why did you do all of this? And he said, yeah. I love you. I would do anything to be oh, with no. you. Isn't that amazing? And I just thought, holy cow, he's so different. Yeah. Than, than most men, you know. And that's he, what Trisha's husband did as well. And you know what's funny? Yeah. My dad... When he was on hospice, my stepfather, when he was on hospice, he admitted that he had been, he served in the stake presidency with Dallin Oaks back in Naperville, Illinois. He served two, they went on two missions. Cosmo the Cougar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he was a true blue, but uh, in his defense, he was British and British people don't like contention and they will, you know. So, yeah. but he did not have a testimony of the church. He did not believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet. He did probably um, the last 20 years of his life, he developed a testimony, um, uh, but I think he just gave up. But he went along 
because his family. Mm-hmm. Well, he said, my family joined the church. What was I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And and so I thought that is an amazing man that would give up smoking, give up drinking. You know, he ate Kit Kat bars instead of smoking and, you know, gave up his wine. He was British. He grew up with wine. He didn't drink a lot. My family didn't drink a lot, but they had wine. They had champagne at special Tea. occasions. Yeah. Yes. He, you know, uh, but he gave that all up for my mom and his two stepkids. I mean, that's insane. But that I, says a lot. You know, I wonder how many people do that. Like our church is relatively new, but think about people who grew up in the Catholic church. I mean, there's yeah. probably a lot of people who do things like that, who, you sure. know, let me just take this on because that's what we do. So right. I don't know. And I have friends whose husbands are not members and they support them 100%. They don't go to yep. church. They'll go to church if their kid's giving a talk in sacrament meeting. Um, but then they'll, I've had some that have supported their wives and their callings, helped them along, yep. come along for the ride. They're so supportive, but they have no, no intention of joining. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for all of those scenarios, you know? I do too, because mm-hmm. we each need to be able to, to do what makes us feel good at yeah. the time. Yeah. I yeah. feel better, so I'm doing different or better. Yeah. Right. But- and I'm in the I'm in the reverse situation. And thank heavens I we had wonderful families like that to set the example because now my husband goes to church and I stay home and I support him. I'm like, go, that's great, yeah. you know. Um, I, sometimes I make fun of him, you know, when he comes home, I'll have some sarcastic comments. I would do. You know, like sacrament meeting, I'll say, well, who told their travel log today? You know, or I'll say something smart alecky like that, yeah. you know. But anyway, so what's your favorite, Liz? What's your favorite um, uh, historical, who, who do you follow? What's, what's been your biggest like, OMG, I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Which one can I pick? Okay, I'm going to go back to the first vision because that's kind of the basis of the church. Okay. Um, I have a lot of them, but I think this one's important. And I think anyone that's a member of the church should go back and actually look up the handwritten first vision that's written in Joseph Smith's own penmanship. Now, he couldn't spell... um, (laughs) But he was brilliant. And yes. He was yeah. brilliant. He was a conniver. Right. Oh, yeah. And um, they've, it has a copy. Um, most of the places where you can see a copy of his handwritten uh, account of the first vision, it's it's got a copy below it that's typed. So you can you know, kind of compare and make sure you're reading what's been uh, translated. (laughs) But anyways, um, I believe there's nine different accounts written differently. But the first time he penned it, um, he describes how he only saw one being. One. Not two. One. And um, I... I had uh, a cousin. Uh, we grew up with our cousins like brothers and sisters. Yes. In a small town. Yes. And um, I, this, in fact, we still live in Southern Utah together. Until I had this breakaway from the church, we did everything together. Oh. Um, but he had said to me, um, 
he was saying, oh, this, our church is just like every other church. You know, I have a huge problem with um, the rapists and the sex abusers in our church. And Utah mm -hmm. statistics are proven how awful this is in our state. And we were having this discussion and they're just like doing that commonality of, oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And I said, well, then what makes Mormonism so important? Right. You know, why do I have to be a Mormon then? Yeah. And he said, well, I guess it comes down to if you believe in the first vision or not. And I said, oh. which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I kind of like that first one where there was a Trinity, like all the other, uh, some of the other Christian, you know, Methodists, like that he was very Methodist, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And then I think from there, I, things just expanded. Um, yeah. The Kinderhook plates blew me away. Yeah. I had never heard of the Kinderhook plates. And then, you know, in my mind, that ties into the salamander letter hoax. Mm -hmm as a modern day kinder hook type. Right. And yeah, then, where there was no discernment. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the facsimiles in the Pearl of Great or the book of Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a little rusty with my more <laughs> No, but but you know, and I think that's the thing is especially in this day and age where we have so much information available and it's not that we have so much information available of, in historical truths about the LDS church. We also have a lot of historical information about our, our own American government, um, you know, how things came about. And so when you start putting those two things together and you start realizing that there's no difference, that it's men seeking power, it's I men, you know, trying to push other men down. If you guys want to, um, I was listening to, okay. Honestly, I need a scribe. I need someone walking behind me, writing everything down so I can remember. But someone turned oh, me on to RFM. Stone in it, and you'll be fine. Oh, let me go get my stone. What was I thinking? Dang it, I actually have one. <laughs> I'll go get it. Yeah, I thank you for reminding me because yes, I have that stone. Um, no, um, RFM. Yeah, I was uh, RFM. Somebody said go and listen to RFMs. I think it was 2017. It's an older, it's one of his older podcasts. And he talks about the succession of Brigham Young after Joseph Smith. And Par Orson Pratt, they should rip down the statue name, start, and name it Orson Pratt University. This man was brilliant. And he fought against Brigham Young on so many different things. And but if you listen to the succession and how Brigham Young wormed his way into becoming the next prophet when Orson Pratt was actually in line to be the next prophet. I, and, yeah. Oh, sorry, Renee. I no, was, no, no. When but did, there was seven months, I believe, of where James Strang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was in line too. Yeah. Leader of the church. But, you know, with Mormonism, they leave that completely out. And Sidney yes. Rigdon was the next in line. And the way yeah. Joseph Smith had set it up, Sidney Rigdon actually should have been the one that was the succession plan. And then Strang was, was right up there too. And then they kicked him out. You know, Cowdery was gone long ago because he had just had enough. And, <laughs> you know, but Brigham Young, you know, came back. He went out to Utah. Then he came back to winter quarters. And then he was like, guys, I got a great idea. 
this is how I think we should restructure everything. And there were five apostles that were like, no, that's not. But it took him three years to convince them. And he finally convinced them that the apostles should be the ones in, you know, and there should be. And then the way they had it set up, just they had it set up where it was um, for your age. And so Orson Pratt was next in line. But John Taylor was uh, Orson Pratt left the church for a small time when Joseph Smith tried to seduce his wife while he was on a mission. And when he came back, he was so distraught. He left the church for a few, a few, uh, I don't remember how many years or months, but because he, he had not been con, you know, consecutively in the church mm -hmm. as long, Brigham Young changed the change. Well, we're going to restructure. Now your seniority is depending on how long you've been a member of the church. So Orson mm -hmm. Pratt fell back down and John Taylor was next in line. And so it's like, what a political, Bruhaha. Yeah. And that's and that is an, an, a perfect example of how they teach things that they want us to hear. Because yes. just like what you guys were saying was my I grew up in the church. I had people on the planes, like all of those things. And I I always understood that it was a quick succession. Like yeah, me too. Smith died yeah. and like the like the next couple of weeks that whole thing happened and Brigham Young did his speech and everybody saw Joseph Smith speaking up in front of them and yep. boom he was in yes <laughs> yeah we all that was, we all yeah. know that's been disputed and disproven though too right nope. yep. i don't i honestly if i if i asked my husband right now former bishop stake president member um did you do you believe that joe brigham young uh gave when he was giving a speech at conference that his face took on the mantle of joseph smith he would go yeah that's yeah. what happened if i said did you know that your great, 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 whatever great Orson Hyde is my is in my father in my husband's line? Okay. He, claim, he claimed to have seen this vision of Joseph Smith. He wasn't even in Utah. He he was like ten years later. He wrote down, "Oh yeah, I was there. It was great." There's you know, so much of that yes. that goes on. I mm -hmm. all these stories are yeah. just flying through my yeah. head, like the eight witnesses. The yes, in the same handwriting, all yes. seem to belong to everybody else. I know. But when you tell people that it's, it's, but here's the scary part, you guys, it, it all ties. Like I was listening to a, um, uh, historical, uh, thing about nationalism and fascism and all of this kind of stuff. This is what the, leaving the church has, like I said, turned me into a crazy where now I'm listening to all kinds of historical stuff. And I'm like, what, what? Anyway, but they were they were just saying how, you know, uh, this was a great one. One drop. This was in in uh, when Hitler was trying to uh, formulate the whole Nazi system. One drop of Jewish blood would get you exempt from, you know, you're not a German. One drop. I'm like, where have I heard that mm -hmm. before? Mm -hmm. Huh? One drop. Oh, yeah. So it's just there's such a correlation between political power, whatever kind of power, call it whatever it is, patriarchal power, when there's money and power involved, it, nobody's talking for God. That's all I have to right. say, you know? So, yeah. So Trisha, tell Liz, um, because I, Liz, wouldn't you say then that when your children came out, how old were your children when they came out to you? Um, my oldest son had waited till he was 22 to be worthy to go on a mission. Okay. So he was 
approaching 25. So he did serve a mission? He did. He went to the Congo in Africa. And oh, wow. let me just let me just tell the world, if your child goes to a place where there's not food, there's not food for your child either. <laughs> yeah. If the people who live there are not eating, your kid's not eating as well. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, no, no pie appeared. No manna was found on the ground. <laughs> Wow. That's, did he, did he come home with any parasites or anything like that? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. Did, Just, has he seen the book of Mormon play? Um, I don't know if he has or not. <laughs> I have. Yeah. Um, I honestly cried through the whole thing because while they're mocking it, it's true. I was yeah. say, because your and son my, had been there. Yeah. And my, my son went, my son didn't go in. Those were very arrogant missionaries in the play. Yeah, yeah. My son had, had never had that type of personality. Um, but I I cried through a lot of it. I could see the humor in it. Um, sorry, I just have to interject this. I was like, the frog dance. Why frogs? Like, why I know. I, you know where that comes from? No. Joseph Smith... Um, I don't know if he recorded it or one of his colleagues. Trisha, are you? I do. I know exactly where you're going. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Yes. Help me, out. Help me out if I get something sure. askew. Okay. So the first time Joseph went to retrieve the golden plate. Yes. From, yes. He was hit in the side of the head. That's right. By a white creature that he described that looked like a frog. Frog. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's right. I'm certain that's where that came I would, from. I would think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Believe that makes sense. Mark, I forgot that. Yeah. And don't you think that's where Mark Hoffman came up with the salamander and like kind of what? Yeah, because it sounded goes? real. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, this could be real because a frog or, you know, it could yeah. have been a salamander. Yeah. Yeah. Because didn't Joseph Smith even say that he thought that the frog was like a spirit of some sort, like yeah. a guardian of some yeah, sort? There's yeah. A, there's a spiritual connotation to whites, to salamanders. And and so there was there was a there was a little bit of slippage like was, you know, kind of like what you were talking about with the first vision. Was it was it just God? Was it God and Jesus? Was it Nephi? Was it Moroni? Was it a frog? Was, was it, it a salamander? Yeah. So there's a lot of, yeah. Depends on what, <laughs> was, what yeah. Was Moroni hunkered down and looked like a frog for some yeah. reason? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's so goodness. many things for these brilliant people that have these amazing minds. You know, they'll start to go, they'll start to kind of go down that rabbit hole like we are. And they'll start putting two and two together saying, well, now if Moroni was resurrected, but he didn't have a body because he wasn't resurrected because it was after the first resurrection. So did he carry the plates back to, I don't think, you know, so that, I mean, there's so many of that where you start going, Oh yeah. I didn't think about no, that. No, I, I figured it out. I think it's like on um, the, uh, the Disney, the sword in the stone where the oh. wizard can like put all the stuff in the little bag. Oh, okay. I oh, think it's like Mary that. Okay. Yes, yes. But Mary Poppins doesn't count because she's a woman. I'm so sorry. Right. So the yeah. wizard, the wizard works because he's a man. Yes. So that's yeah. fine. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So that, that's interesting. So okay. So, uh, how many children do you have, Liz? I have eight. 
Oh, holy moly. You did okay. the Mormon thing. Good you job. Got, you get the well, award, girlfriend. Ladies, when your patriarchal blessing that you get when you're 16 says, you know, the blah, blah, blah. Liz, the most important thing for you to do is to get married and raise a family. Yeah. What are you going to do when you're TBM? That's, that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. And you know what's that that's so true. And I remember sitting there as a 14 year old getting my patriarchal blessing. He could have said anything. He could have said, you know, whatever. All I, I was sat there. All I could. I, I just remember going, tell me I'm going to have children. Tell me I'm going to have children. Tell me I'm going to have children. That's all I wanted was babies. Yeah. I just wanted babies, you know. And uh, so that's amazing. Now, okay, so where in of those eight children, where are your two LBGTQ, ALMNOP? Okay, so um, our oldest son is the one that served in the Congo. Okay, came out after he came home. Yes, I believe he had already... Well, he had already discussed it, at least with his mission president, because he oh. did, I believe he did some conversion therapy oh. in the Congo. He was zone leader, 80 or 90% of his mission, I forget. Uh -huh. um, it's interesting to me that, anyway, they used his leadership skills yeah. and his personality, but, you know, they flagged his membership. Um, and that when I learned about the flagging of membership, right. It really bothered me because at that time they weren't flagging, uh, predators, pedophiles, oh, yeah. child hunters. Yeah. Tell, tell anybody that's listening that doesn't understand that, or even know that, tell them a little, a little bit about what they're doing, what that okay, is. So if you're, I think this is completely Nazi. You know, yeah. I, I do think the church like has adapted some the star. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so um, anyone that is found to admit or engage of any type of queer or gay, they lump it all into one big right. um, your membership. Is, like, well, yeah. Your membership mm -hmm. is flagged and you can never, you know, work with the youth, youth teach primary, which is really sad because some of the very best people yep. do you guys being... follow uh do you guys follow mr greg on tiktok i love mr greg <laughs> i don't know who that is okay you have to find him i will he is hilarious and he's a teacher he teaches like elementary school and every day he posts about something the kids will say to him and they'll say like mr greg you know did you know you're going bald and he'll be like thank you very much i do know that you know, and he's just hilarious. He's so cute. Oh, he's yeah. awesome. Yes. Yeah. But what well, he says, I die, Greg. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's then hilarious. our other queer child um, is using they, them pronouns. Oh, okay. For the last two years. And they are six, number six of eight. Okay. Okay. So, and how do the other kids, are the other kids accepting siblings? Oh, yeah. good? That's, that's one thing I've been grateful for because I, you know, I was, I was, I thought at the, when my kids were little, I thought I was this perfect little Mormon mother, you know, and I honestly, I busted my hump for the church yeah. and yeah. my 
family. And at this stage in life, I'm 52. I'm so grateful to no longer be there because I'm right. burned out. I right. am so burned out. Right, yeah. right. But I well, think all of kids. our children, um, having my parents being fairly liberal, like go to church oh. if you want, you know, but you don't okay. have to. Okay. Um, those of us that stayed home had to clean the house and prepare dinner for those that went. Oh, okay. I, fair, fair. That's a way better parenting skill. Yeah. Um, and no, stuff. you can stay home. Just make sure the yard's done yeah. and the garage is cleaned yeah. out. And the, oh, yeah, I'll be at church in five seconds. Right. <laughs> Put that um, down, ladies. Yeah. And so I we raised our children very liberal with the church. And we encouraged our, you know, if, if our children brought a non-member to church, then we would go as a family to their church. Oh, that's explore. amazing. Yeah. So we, we were very open-minded. My kids were not the popular kids per se at Snow Canyon right. High. Right. But my kids had more friends than anyone because the indigenous kids came to my house. Oh. The Latinos came to my house. Yes. The, you know, poverty stricken kids. We related well with the, my son, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to say that when you're an average and teach your a children to love other people, That's other right. cultures, That's different right. um, financial situations. Yeah. Um, no one could fit. They couldn't even fit inside the church at my yeah. son's farewell or homecoming. Aww. And I'm, and it, we weren't some rich family that had donated yeah. tons of money to the community or the sports. Right. Right. We, we were average in every way. Yeah. And yet, and I just, you know, and upon his return and anytime we've had a, you know, we've done, we try to do small family weddings of about 80 people. <laughs> And every time we've had a wedding, it's just humongous. And it's not planned that way, but yeah, people love us. And I'm yeah. glad. And I love them back. And yeah. there's always been extras coming to support us. And I'm grateful. There's been times I've had to ask. Yeah. To you me. know, it's a sad situation. I, I never, I mean, we, I grew up in Illinois. So, and my family, like I said, we grew up Methodist and, and, uh, but I, you know, I grew up in a pretty diverse high school and, uh, and then my parents moved me out to Washington state my senior year. And it was pretty much a small town, all white, very backwards school that I got moved into. But if, if you think that you're, I feel, I feel badly. I understand as a parent wanting your kids to be in a safe environment. And so the idea of moving out to Utah where you, where there's not going to be a huge drinking culture. Uh, I mean, there's always, there is. There's free, yeah, there's That's drinking, what they there's say drugs. from the pulpit. Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. believes yeah. it, but our statistics are oh, differently. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I, let me tell you, even at BYU, you can find your tribe. Whatever it is you want to do, whoever it is you want to find, there's a tribe and you will find them, you know. And, um, you know, but if you can move to a community where you are rare as LDS or Mormon 
your kids are going to benefit so much more. It's just, you know, not to yeah. be, you know, like you said, there's just that cultural bubble that is, it's, it's scary because like you say, when they go on missions, sometimes their eyes are open for the first time when they actually see poverty, real poverty, or where they see discrimination yeah. or they see, um, you know, pockets of, of people that are culturally somehow forced to live in a situation, their eyes are is just, they're, they're like, what? I had no idea this was going on. So yeah, I, I'm glad our kids were raised in a, a more diverse environment for sure. So, and Trish, you, you guys, you, what well, Trish's husband was in the military, so you were all over the world. Wow. Well, we didn't, we didn't go all over the world, but we did go around the country. My husband got to go around the world, but, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I had the yeah. same experience. I was really grateful that my kids were raised in places that were not um, LDS uh, saturated. We right. still had big communities of LDS uh, because the LDS and the military do overlap quite a bit. That's um, true. But we also had a ton of people, like especially when we lived on base, that were not LDS and um, from right. different cultures and backgrounds. And, you know, we had people next door to us who were from Japan and, you know, all of these things. And I'm really grateful for that. I think it just changed the way that they think about the world. Right. Um, and, and I was raised in Pocatello, Idaho, in white, white Idaho. And so... Yeah. I did not have that. And, and moving away from that area opened my eyes. And right. to the point that, you know, I still see friends like on Facebook that I grew up with from high school and such, and I can see they're exactly the same as they yeah. were in high school, yeah. you know, and I am not exactly the same. Right. I know. I, I right. can totally relate to that. Yeah. yeah. Where did you grow up, Liz? Um, I grew up in a very small, all white, pretty much Mormon community in Northeastern Utah by the name of Hannah. Oh, okay. that was also my temple name. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. You um, just told us all. <laughs> what, day, what day was that? What year? I know. Yeah. Yeah. I temple know, Oracle. So yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. So what so do Liz, you think? Oh, I, I no, have to ahead, ask Trish. Liz. Yeah, I yes. have to ask. So I'm um, saying that, you know, you felt that your kids were always so accepted and, and had so many friends. So what happened when they came out to the community? How did they, how were they accepted or not? Um, funny thing is um, most of the family accepted and everyone said they did. I now have some siblings I don't speak to. Mm. <sighs> Um, and cousins. Um, in fact, the, the cousins that I'm talking about that we, I mean, all through grade school, high school, um, moved to St. George to go to Dixie college together. Um, we were raising our children with their cousins the way we had been raised. Mm -hmm. Yes. But after my children came out, they let me know that their cousins didn't love them uh, and they just didn't want to upset me or hurt my feelings. Uh, but things were different unless, you know, the parents were around and then there right. was a show put on. So yeah, we've, that, that was, that one was almost harder to lose than um, my siblings because wow. we were the same age and had children the same ages and together every weekend and wow, lots of Seems intertwining. So. Yeah. Um, 
and and they're 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 good people just um there's certain things that you know that hardcore men, mormon mentality isn't going to allow yeah. Yes. Well, and you know what? And Trish, tell me if I if I said this already because I don't I don't want to repeat stuff that we I've already had on this podcast. But and the opposite to that, I had the same thing, Liz. My I grew up there was I'm the only girl. There's only three of us. Uh, I have two brothers, and uh, but I had tons of of cousins. My mom had <laughs> you know, there were five girls. So you know how the girls in the family there were eight kids all together. There were five girls. So the girls all got together and um, every annual, every year, Father's Day, there was a picnic at this park and they celebrated anybody who was graduating from high school that year and a combination graduation and Father's Day every year. And then my mom joined the church and then my mom would not shut up and she was determined to convert her whole entire family. And it, it broke our family apart. It stopped yeah. the year my brother graduated from high school the, the, the annual uh, picnic stopped because my mother would not shut up. And they kept saying, look, we're, we're happy that you're happy. Please don't talk about your religion. We don't want to hear about your religion. We just want to have a picnic. And because she wouldn't stop, they, they, and I lost the only cousins I had left after that. I did. She converted her oldest sister. And what's funny was her oldest sister, the oldest of the entire eight kids, had been a Mormon all her life and nobody cared because she didn't try to shove it down anybody's oh. throat. But then when my mom joined, she got the second girl to join and then they, the two of them. So I still had a relationship with those two cousins, but that was it. But now that I've left the church, I don't have a relationship with them either. Uh, so it's so funny. You're either in and you're, and you're excluded by this group or you're out and you're excluded by that group. So, I mean, Oh, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. It just, it gets so painful. There was a time maybe three years after I had gotten myself out, probably not thoroughly out, but out, you know, I had taken off my garments and whatever. There was a time where like, sometimes my mind would be like, just go back, go lie uh, with them, go, go yeah. lie and just keep and peace to keep the tribe together. Like, yes. I'm, but then you know, that was a time where I had joined Mama Dragons and John DeLynn had started to come out and uh, um, Jeremy uh, Reynolds, yes, oh. had come out with the letter and mm -hmm. um, it was really easy. <laughs> okay, just to, to clarify, know. just to clarify, when you say John DeLynn came out, what she meant was oh, Mormon stories. Yeah, so sorry. let's clarify that. <laughs> yeah. John's, John's going to be like, da, da, da. No, and then I, Sam Young was, oh. played a huge part for me. And right. then for me, for me, um, I started to feel like I was searching for a church. Mm. Oh. And so yeah. I, once I got the support and kind of, um, my own foundation instead of relying on the church's foundation or somebody else's i found my own yeah. and once i stood on my own foundation i didn't need to be a mama dragon i didn't need oh. to you know i didn't need to be engrossed with different and i think these groups and people okay. that are speaking up telling their yeah. stories i love it it's fabulous it helped me but now I want to just be myself. Live your life. I yeah, and I 
you know, know I, I love that. And I, and Trisha, um, I keep rolling myself out of my camera because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just swiveling around. My pun. Yeah. So Trisha, um, I don't know if we talked about this last time we talked, um, when you first left the church, did you also think that you needed to find another religion? We didn't talk about that before. Um, yes and no. So I did feel like I needed a spiritual something, you know, a spiritual right. guideline. And I do think because I ended up leaving the church kind of during the pandemic and everything, it was oh. hard because I couldn't go to other churches or anything. Right. Um, but I was pretty much out of Christianity, like pretty quickly. Like I'm okay. like, if Mormon isn't true, neither is Christianity. Like it's all the same. Yeah. Um, yes. But I was really interested in finding like spirituality in different ways. Like, okay. um, you know, maybe Buddhism and not necessarily like believing it, but like feeling it, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, it, you know, Trisha, I feel like I and maybe this is what you're explaining is I take what feels good and I try to live by it or add it into my spirituality. Um, but I, I don't need to belong. I don't have, I don't need a label, right. but I like to take the goods from anything that comes towards me that has goodness. And you mean that, that little thing about, I believe in, in all things that are, good, benevolent, of good spirit. You mean that thing where they say to find good in all, that little article of faith that talks about finding good in all things? Well, you know? yes. And I, I think that like, I, I have a cousin that's pagan and I thought, oh, yeah. And I ordered some books and she sent me some things. Her husband was, um, they're divorced now, but he was the leader of the largest pagan group in the, in the East. They live in Wisconsin. And I read some books and my gosh, it's, it's really, really similar to indigenous culture. Mm. And they really just believe, you know, I'd hear the word pagan as a Mormon and I'd be like, devil <laughs> worshiper. But really well, they, uh, don't you love though? Don't you love the, um, the, the um, pentagram on the temples? Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, Christmas. You mean that solar eclipse thing? Yeah, they, everything is stolen. Every, it's all pagan. We're all everything pagan. Everything goes yeah. back to the all Druids the rituals or are, the indigenous yeah. people where, right. and they took, I don't know, you know, and there's Joseph and his mother, his family, they were, if you want to dive into it, they were um, practicing black magic. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, We're doing so circles much. of salt and goats. Well, that brings that brings us back to the frog, right? Because that yes. was the familiar that was coming right. to help them. Yes. Right. <laughs> Talisman. Yeah, yeah the and whole bit. And those things are so, you know, when they were doing, he was doing readings for people before his father was a patriarch. And yet... Rose crystal out just so yes. that can, yeah. Yet, you know, we're not supposed <laughs> to touch tarot cards or... Yeah go yeah. see, seek mediums or because yeah. he's the only one that had any power yeah you know it's like oh that sounds so. familiar too didn't we just yeah. have a talk about that that we have to yes. stay in our lane yes <laughs> isn't that funny when he mentioned Hiram Page I'm like oh you forgot the other 90 percent of that story 
<laughs> you didn't tell the whole story of the rock. When have they ever at the pulpit yeah. told the whole story? Yeah. Never. And, and sisters, I'm telling you, that's what I want this podcast to be about. It's like, look, we're not, we only have an hour. We don't have time to delve through, you know, the 50,000 hours of historical truths that you're going to have to figure out for yourself. But if we talk to you about Hiram Page and the Seer Stone and the revelations and that you find out, oh yeah, no, there's more to that story. That's all we're going to say. Now it's your job to find out what the rest of that story is. And that's all we're saying is, yeah. is there yep. is more. It's like that old Huntley Brinkley. There's more to this story. You know, there's uh, mm -hmm. there, it, it's not just the rest like, of have, the story. Yeah. You guys keep talking. You guys keep talking. I have to go get you something. I have to show you something. So keep talking, keep talking. Oh, she's going to go get something. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to so, go get her. Hey, fears, Liz. So, um, yeah. I, I really want to know. I know she's so funny. <laughs> so I really want to know one of the things that um, got me was the book of Abraham. Like that was a big yeah. thing for me. So when yeah. did you learn about that and, and how did that affect you? Um, it's been, I would say 10 years ago that I started questioning it, questioning it. And, but to fully come around to discounting it, the Smithsonian is one of my, it's my favorite television station. It's, I, high, I have a high regard for the Smithsonian. And um, when they completely discounted the Book of Mormon, I'm like, okay, I've got to get in here and do my own research. And I didn't just go to the Smithsonian. I wanted, you know, my own. Liz is building her own foundation here. I want my own. So there's, there's so many um, different ways to disprove those, you know, their funerary texts. There's something called the Book of Breathing yep. that's involved yep. with that. And I had always, you know, there's stories in the Bible that you're always like, what? Like Solomon, even when I was a little kid, Solomon cutting two babies, the baby in half or, you know, offerings. I'm like, what? A two-year-old wouldn't want, that's not, he's not brilliant. Nobody, you know, um, and like we learned the rest of the stories at home with our parents, like, you know, Lot and his daughters and Noah. And I always had problems like with Hagar and Ishmael being thrown out in the wilderness and um, mm -hmm. Boaz and Ruth was, I mean, there's just so much, you know, stuff. And then, you know, to get these facsimiles and go, and they're, you know, they're scientists, there's, uh, you know, credible people that have studied Hebrew and Egyptian and it, it, it has nothing, you know, and then to find out the Hebrew Bible is original and then how many times the Bible's been uh, changed and added to and detracted from and it all just came together for me yeah. I, right now yeah. I'm right now I'm I'm trying to I mean I'm not trying to lose learn cuneiform or I don't know how to pronounce that word yeah yeah the first yeah. but I have a lot of interest in that part of the world right now and I never have before 
What, what do you think? What do you think uh, if we, okay, I, I wanted to show this to you. One of the problems that people have is, um, okay, I don't know if you, this is probably going to be backwards. I don't know if you can see it. It says, where will you go? <laughs> One of the problems that I hear people say, they have a hard time with the church. They, they're, they're, like you say, they're physically in, they're mentally out. And the biggest thing that keeps them in is, um, okay, so this is my candle. This is my where will you go candle. This is from a company called Exmo Candles, the Exmo Candle Company. Get online. Mm -hmm. They have all different different uh, fragrances. And uh, they have the cute little, it's like lighting outer darkness together. That's, that's what, uh, but one of the things <laughs> that keeps people in the church is the community. Yes. And when we talked about, well, do we find another Christian religion to go to? Uh, what do we what do we do? I mean, like you guys, I've been going to church for 50 years, 55 years. Every Sunday I you get up, you get dressed. It's a habit. Mm -hmm. It's I don't know what to do with myself mm -hmm. on Sunday mornings. I get up and I'm like, well, that was my day to get dressed up. Now what am I going to do? I don't even have any place to wear a dress anymore. <laughs> you know? Well, like, we, we went to it's the true. Lake. We yeah. bought a boat and two sets of wave runners and we started okay. going to the lake. Okay. And for me, because I, I was one of those, so I would defend anything Mormon, anything, yeah. even if I knew or had glimpses of untruth, I would defend it hardcore. Yeah. And I feel like we're even kind of taught to battle with different belief systems. Oh, yeah. Systems. Yeah. yeah. And letting go of all of those things and going, I'll do what I want. I'll do yeah. whatever I want. I have yeah. an extra Saturday. Yeah. And I'm going to learn and try to help other people. We're sick, you know, just like that. It, uh, Elissa wall that left, uh, the art, the FLDS. Oh, yeah. Um, any of those. We are as tightly wound as any polygamist group. It's the same thing. I'm doing things to unwind, and I'm free, and my mind is free, and my and thoughts are, are all, free. Are all eight of your children out as well? Yes. I okay, did. so that makes yeah. It's kind of interesting because I have a grandson that's turning 14 today, oh. and he wanted to be baptized a few years ago when he turned 10. Yeah. And so we're like, I was a little uncomfortable with the idea, but I didn't want to take his agency away. No. Yeah. And so he was baptized and the sister missionaries were taking him to church and it, it wasn't even two months into it. And he came home and said something, you know, that he had had questions for the sister missionaries because he had heard something about gay at church. Oh, and he told the sister missionaries at 10 years old, I love my uncle. And, and oh. this isn't gonna come in the way. I mean, in his little 10 year old, right. You know, and he, yeah. you know, and he got his little scriptures from his great grandparents with his name on him and all those Oh. You know, but he was just like, I don't want to go anymore. It didn't feel good. It doesn't oh. feel right. Yeah. And that's so sad because there is, and I know Brittany's talked a lot about this too. There is a lot of 
thing that is so good about rituals. Why do we humans have rituals? Because it is a part of our humanness. The rituals are important. And when and, and in the church, when you have such a big deal made, they announce it over the pulpit and everybody stands up and raises their hand and welcomes you in. And, and they've got the pictures and, and, and any kid that's been in that environment, of course they want that. That's like saying we're going to be Jehovah Witnesses and not celebrate your birthday anymore. I mean, that's a hard thing to give up, you know? Um, yeah, you, it is, but you know, it's, it's so, there's so much time. I have so much more time to give to my family. Right. The cookies I bake, my family, the food yeah. I make, my family. There right. you are. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. thing was loading and loading. So I reset it. It should be. Fun. Oh, okay. and there's, yeah. there's so many things that we do. The women are the worker bees in the church, in my That's opinion. Right. That's right. We set up, we plan for months, we spend our money, we are there for setup, we're there for the takedown. Um, and I was very dedicated. I'm very even thinking about it, I get so exhausted about yeah. so I just want to say my thoughts about why the patriarchy patriarchy has to like keep us down because they know that if we were treated equally we'd take over absolutely right. yeah. <laughs> we do it of Catherine the Great and Elizabeth <laughs> yeah. first Elizabeth you know yeah. we are yeah. Uh -huh. yeah no that's so true well ladies what one more thing because I think this is very important is um you know women women need other women and yes. I do believe that that is also something that keeps women especially in the church their best friends these women that have they've gone through scouting they've gone through young women's they went to camp together you know this person was the cook this person was the you know and they've yeah. got this group of women that are so important to their lives and they're not willing to give that up and i get yeah. it i get that how have you to replace that go ahead trish um, well, for me, I think I was already pretty lucky. Um, I already had a lot of friends and supports outside of mm -hmm. the church, just because mostly my kids did a lot of activities outside of the church, sports mm -hmm. and and things like that. And so we already kind of had um, other support systems. There were other times in my life where that would not have been true, where, yeah. you know, um, yeah. but I also happened to have a friend in the church who was going through the same thing as me at the same time. And so oh. the two of us together kind of supported each other through it. Um, and honestly, I think because I work outside the home has helped. Oh, a lot. you've got your, yes, that work, work is so important for things like that. Well, you're absolutely right. And I do think, as you say, uh, if you live outside of the bubble, my husband and I have always had friends outside of the church because our kids were involved in sports and so you'd travel with the baseball team or go to the cheerleading competition with all the other parents mm -hmm. that were not members, you know, of the church. And we happen to live in a community now that there are no LDS in the entire community. There was one family, but they actually moved out. And so we had a fabulous Halloween party last night. Uh, I had a, a wonderful hosted bar that had not alcoholic drinks for people, uh, alcohol if people wanted it. Uh, everyone in the community is so kind. I know that if I needed something, I could put out one text and there would be, I would have at least 36 people right here that would be at my doorstep. Yes. And it's so important for people to understand that there is life outside of the church, that there are good 
Christian. There's a, I have a lady down the street that has a Bible study every week. She's so lovely. Um, book clubs going on all over the place, pickleball like crazy, um, <laughs> going out to lunch, hiking. They're out there. There's, there's wonderful, good people out there. And I really want to encourage people that like anything else, you know, if, if the, it sounds like the three of us are, we're willing to go, I got the parachute, I'm out of here. And we're leaping off the edge of the cliff. There are other people that need to be let down slowly. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's great. You find, find whatever, but I'm telling you, there are, there are systems out there that will help you through this. And I'm really hoping that our voices, I have you guys, here's my, here's my seer stone. I'm going to oh. read right now. It says there is hope. No, uh, but no, but there are, there are women out there. We, you know, we're not all getting drunk. We're not all doing pole dancing. Although I have heard that's fabulous exercise. Sounds fun to me. But, yeah. <laughs> I you have know. a cousin that's the champion for the United States three years pole dancer. because it's a, in an exercise. I mean, yes. you see this girl's butt. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous, I can't hang upside down. I'm not climbing. I've tried to do, I tried I to pull myself up. I have about pounds to lose first. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Okay, but Liz, Liz did not get to share her, like how she, her group outside of the church. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe you were, you were in uh, outer limits when we were talking about Maybe. that. Yeah. 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 I will say say this. um, There's people that loved me that were in church with me that have stayed with me. Ah, And we don't interfere with the belief systems. However, if they ask me a question, they're getting an answer. And I told everyone that's staying, that wants to stay in my circle, that's about a fourth of the size that, uh, that it used to be. Yeah. If you're going to bear your testimony, you're going to list, you're going to hear mine. Yeah. And I, I force my space. I don't think it's because there's this, um, air about Mormons where they think they're being respectful and they think they're allowing you to be who you are. Mm. And they're not, they are so cultured. It may not even be their fault, but I call people out on it. And I'm just like, you don't get to do that unless you're going to give me my space too. Mm -hmm. And you know what's funny? I I am also blessed with some people that, I mean, the thing is we moved away. So a lot of our friends that we'd had in our lives for years, um, but we kind of moved it. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. We moved. And then all of the people that we hung out with, that we went out on dates with on Friday night, they moved. So it's like the entire ward change. We're almost like, gosh, I'm glad we moved when we did because these guys are in Utah now and these guys actually moved to Arizona and these guys are, as soon as their last kid graduates, they're going to be out of there too. So as you age, because I'm at least 10 something years older than you guys, <laughs> your your whole community changes anyway, yeah. Yeah. you know? So that's yeah. a whole nother season of life that you have to adapt to. So that, yeah. that makes it hard. But I'm we're definitely, there is... You will find your tribe. You will find your safe space to land. And I don't want people to live in a hurtful environment because they think there's no place. They think that there's no place to go. Where will yeah. you go? Like you say, you will go to the lake. You will go. go. I've been to a couple other churches. I tried on a couple other churches. But Trish, I was like you and Liz, I was like you too. It's like, first thing I say is, how do you feel about women in the ministry? 
oh, we don't allow that. I'm like, I'm out of here. How yeah. do you feel about, uh, you know, the homosexual uh, thing? Oh, no, we don't accept that. I'm out of here. So yep. I, you know, I haven't been able to find a Christian religion that is really any better than the LDS. They just don't have garments. And so they drink coffee <laughs> wine and they don't wear garments. But other than that, it's the exact same religion. Stuff. One of my, one of my children, um, our two youngest are adopted and his biological grandfather, who we stayed in touch with recently passed away. Oh. And we went to the, he, my son, my two sons were pallbearers at his funeral. Oh. And when we got in the car, um, the oldest of the two, he said, mom, why was, what was that costume? My grandpa was wearing. Oh, oh, yes. I love, you know what? I thought about that when my aunt died because I'm like, wait a minute. My kids <laughs> went through the temple. I wasn't allowed to talk or show them or anything like that. And yeah. now he's out on freaking display for the whole world to see. What's up with that? Yeah. Yep. That's so funny. Well, ladies, you guys have been amazing. This has been so much fun. I wish we were at a table somewhere where we could order more appetizers. Oh, and yes, me too. Going. So Liz, I hope you and your mom, I hope she does well this week. And I hope that all that they can get in there and take out the lump and, and, and she'll be fine. It'll, you know, Trish, what have you got going on this week? Teaching. That's what I do. Uh, when does, uh, let's see, what is this? You guys are out, and then are you guys a September to June schedule? We are. Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a few more months, and uh, fall is crazy. Fall is crazy. Uh, so excited. So, so my kids are coming home for Thanksgiving, so I'll have all yes. of my kids home and their uh, significant other happening, and so, yeah. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now that I'm not cooking anymore, I used to hate Thanksgiving, but now that I'm not cooking, now my kids are older. So it's kind of like, we'll make the pies, we'll make the turkey. I'm like, oh, yes. let mama just sit back in that old family room like all those guys did all those years, you know? Yes. So Watch the football. Watching football. I'm with you, Renee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you guys have a great week and we will do this again. Yeah. Okay. Do something this it. week to be visible. That's all I ask. Love it. Okay, thank all you. right. Bye.